37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Pixelated Paranormal. I am Sean. I am jet-lagged. And with me, as always, is Preston. What's up, all you uh, cool ghosts and goblins? I was going to say, uh, what, what was the last episode we did with the uh, coon gators? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember what it uh, was. The coon gator and the crocodingo. Yeah, what's up, all you coo- uh, cool uh, coon gators and crocodingos? <laughs> uh, has that become your new catchphrase? Yeah. So on this episode, we had to kind of make a quick decision because my plane got in super late last night and I had to work first thing in the morning. But I think we got a lot of fun stuff packed into this episode because, first of all, Presto, we both had pretty exciting weekends on this last weekend, so I'll go first because mine's not quite as related to the show as yours is. Okay. I spent the last three days in Las Vegas. And what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, they changed their saying, though. It's now what happens in Vegas only happens in Vegas. Oh. I guess too many people talking about what happens in Vegas when they got back. Oh. But yeah, Shayla and I went down to surprise our buddy Eric, and uh, his girlfriend Aaron was in on the whole gig, and we went to Punk Rock Bowling, which is a three-day punk rock music festival. This thing, if you count the, the pre-show pool parties and the after parties afterwards, it went for three days, each day from 11 a.m. until damn near 2 a.m. Ooh. It was insane. It was really neat. Uh, I heard some bands that I haven't heard before. I heard a band I'll tell you about in a second I never thought I would hear. And luckily enough, it was all pretty COVID safe. So that's that's some fantastic stuff right there. So we went down there, and unfortunately, Shayla was still in her hard cast after her foot surgery, which she just got taken off today, thank God. So we actually kind of lived like vampires. We would uh, get up in the morning, have brunch, get a big margarita, and then go take like a three-hour nap throughout the afternoon in our hotel room. And then we'd meet Eric and Aaron normally around 5 p.m. as the sun was going down because things were a hell of a lot cooler and she wouldn't have to worry about sweating big in her cast because you got to keep those bad boys dry. And then we'd start watching concerts. And I got a chance to see Frank Turner for the first time, which was fantastic. Some other punk rock bands that we hadn't seen before. Uh, Sarah Jane Grace did a acoustic set, did an acoustic set on a uh, pool party on the top of a hotel, and some other stuff. And then I was going to ask Preston, mm-hmm. are there any bands that are so like just so out of reach that you don't even put on your bucket list because you think they're so obscure you'll never have a chance to see them, and you're okay with that? Um. Yeah, like uh, you know, King King Crimson's uh, pretty cool. Um, uh, I'm trying to think uh, what type of uh, their their. Um, I don't even remember what genre um, it is now. <laughs> My Fair mind w- went blank, but uh, they're uh, you know they're from like the '70s, 
and uh yeah you know they're really obscure so i never in a million years would think like oh fuck yeah i get to see king crimson right 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 are they still singing are they still mostly alive um yeah i mean they're like in their 70s so right are they are they touring still um they haven't turned in like two years but they they were touring two years ago but okay they weren't like um I couldn't go to Kansas City to go see him. Like, I think Ohio um, was uh, like one of the closest places. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, it looks like Crimson King Crimson is prog rock, progressive rock. Yeah, there we go. That's what I was thinking. Hell of. yeah, man. Hell yeah. I need to give him a listen then. I, I dig some prog rock. Well, oddly enough, the band that I never thought I'd ever see in a million years because it's just really obscure for them to come anywhere near Kansas was a band that hails out of the year 1973, and that is the new wave, synth pop, art punk, post-punk, art pop, electronic rock, geek rock band known as Mother Flippin' Devo. Wow. Devo, uh, because I guess in their heart of hearts, in their veins, they are punk rockers, managed to finish out the last set of the entire event. Sunday night. They played a one-hour set. It was fucking awesome. Uh, it was worth the price of admission, I'd say, by itself. And I am incredibly stoked that we just kind of stumbled upon that. Uh, did you get to see the king of punk himself, I- Iggy Pop? No, Iggy Pop was not there. Um, there were a ton of bands. I don't have any flyers nearby um, to say you know exactly who all was there specifically. But there were a lot of awesome bands we were excited to see, but yeah, I'm still kind of in shock, man, because uh, Devo put on a hell of a good show. It was incredibly, I don't know, just bizarre in a way to see a band who has worked so hard to be relevant and in themselves kind of gave birth to punk rock in a way because they themselves like gave no shits about what they did. They just showed up, did everything they want. They started off in the very beginning playing like college campuses where the event promoters would pull the plug on all their instruments because they didn't understand what they were doing which was really bizarre and uh, unfortunate. But, yeah, they stood the test of time, and, you know, they played Whippet, of course, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a lot of other stuff, Mongoloid, Secret Agent Man, Respect. um, Oh, sorry, not Respect, Satisfaction. So it was awesome. But, yeah, other bands there were The Descendants, The Circle Jerks, Streetlight Manifesto, um, a female punk rock band called Lucha Chicks, which I really dug, the Menzingers, uh, Murder City Devils, and a ton of other bands. But yeah, we had a good time. Saw Devo, scratched that one off the bucket list that they were never really on because I never thought. I, hell, I didn't even know they were still touring at this point, but apparently. I didn't they, even uh, think they feature. were still alive. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, it started off as two brothers, uh, two sets of two brothers, and one of each set of brothers died. So oh. the other two are still around. But uh, it's, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. So it was half a Devo that you saw. That. Yeah, we just saw D. Yeah. Or it might have been Vo. Yeah, super cool. If you guys haven't listened to them or looked into them, um, check it out. Google them. Check on the old uh, iTunes. I never realized that they sang the theme song for Ridiculousness on MTV, that Rob Deerdeck show, kind of like uh, Funniest Home Videos. Yeah. That's a Devo song. Wow. Had no clue. But that's enough about My Weekend, Preston. Tell me, tell the listeners about what you did. Uh, recently this weekend so a couple like uh 
oh, maybe like a month ago, there was going to be a show here in town, and Jeffrey really wanted to go, and um, I had to work this weekend, and then um, she was like, well, you know, with everything we got going on, let's, you know, let's not, let's not go, it's fine, and um, then as Saturday rolled around, she met me for lunch. And then as we're sitting there for lunch, uh, Facebook, like you have an event today. And I was like, Hey, weren't we, uh, going to go to this? And she's like, well, I just, I don't know. And I just, you know, the money and the tickets. I'm like, fuck it. I'll buy them right now. And she's like, wait, what? So then I got on my phone and, uh, <laughs> zip, zap, blap. Uh, we bought tickets to see the Long Island medium, Teresa Caputo, <laughs> At the Orpheum uh, Theater. And uh, so I'm like, fuck it, we're going. And I'm like, uh, honey, it's only just meet me back up here at work. It's like 18 minutes from work to the Orpheum. It'll be fine. And uh, we uh, got there because she drives like Mario Andretti. We got there in 15 flat. And uh-huh. uh, uh, the line was like, dear God, there was a lot of fucking people there. And uh, so the show didn't officially start till like 7.50, maybe 8 o'clock. So she mm-hmm. was running a little bit behind just because of the amount of people that were still outside getting their tickets scanned and everything. And um, it was an experience. I, I, I will have to say, I, I don't know how you feel about uh, mediums and mediumship. Um I so, sway back and forth on a fence, man, when it comes to that kind of stuff. But go on. Um, you know, I I guess I'm the I guess I'm the same way. Then um, it, it's not that I I don't think it's authentic. I think I think each of us um, have a latent ability, um, some more than others. So I think it's inherent in all of us to be able to have this ability, you know, to do these things. And, um, you know, a lot of what she says, like when she, when she says that she's doing a reading, it's like, uh, there, there's a book series that I'm reading right now. I'm trying to get caught up on because Amazon is doing a, uh, a, a television series uh, called the wheel of time, which is based off a book by Robert Jordan. And there's, you know, like 15 fucking books and everybody's like, oh, my God, it's going to be the new Game of Thrones. Well, first of all, fuck you, because Wheel of Time came out before Game of Thrones. So it's not trying to be the next (laughs) Game of Thrones. It is the first. So it's the first Game of Thrones. So just put that in your little fucking pipe and smoke it, you fucking Game of (laughs) Thrones fanboys, motherfuckers. Yeah. 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 And anyways, the reason why I bring that up, there's a character in there who has this ability to speak to wolves. And when they're describing it in the book, and he's telling people like, you know, hey, this is, oh my God, I can talk to wolves. And they're like, oh my God, what's it like? And he says that it's a lot of imagery. So when they communicate, and like a wolf's name is two moons, and he'll go, well, that's not really right. Because he's like, I see the image of a moon, you know, in the middle of winter with a cool breeze and blah, blah, blah. And then there's another half moon rising past that. Mm -hmm. So it's very much like when they communicate in this book, it's through imagery. And his ability to say what the wolves are saying is based off how he interprets those images. And very much that's what Teresa Caputo says she does. You know, she says she sees, uh, you know, imageries of gardenias. And for her, 
Um, what she's learned over the years is that whenever she starts just seeing flowers like the gardenias like that, that means that that's a motherly figure, whether it's an aunt, a grandmother or a mom trying to communicate with you. And that most people, you know, uh, when she sees that within the last couple of weeks, they've smelt a perfume like an old lady perfume. Um, and so, you know, it's not like your fucking grandma's like, Hey, Teresa, tell her that, uh, I sprayed my perfume in her house and she could have smelt it. Like, no, she, she just starts to see these flowers. (laughs) And then her interpretation of those flowers is that you were visited by a departed loved one. And to back that up, did you, you know, have you sense like a smell that you're not used to? And so it's very easy for her, I think, to have hits and then very easy for her to have misses. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of people there, like, um, you know, she said that uh, in the beginning of the show, like, hey, you know, here's the thing. Like, I might not, you know, I'd like to be able to get to all of you, but I'm not going to be able to do a reading for everybody in here. But just know that a lot of time when spirit comes together and, and we have so many people in the crowd that generally speaking, the the same amount of, you know, the same types of people that are here, um, the, you know, that the spirit is kind of speaking to multiple people. So, you know, it, it came up time and time again that uh, about people having to pull the plug. And, you know, I, I, I'm in that, I'm in that boat, um, unfortunately Mm -hmm. with dad, when he got sick and everything that went down, um, towards the end, like I was the one that had to make that decision. Um, you know, I had to sign the papers to basically pull the plug on dad. And there were several people in that crowd that were in that same situation. And so, you know, even though I didn't personally get a reading, um, you know, as you're sitting there and digesting everything that, that's going on, um, it, it, you can very, very much make it relevant to your situation and kind of gain something from it. So, you know, I, I think that it's healing um, in a way to be able to go to one of those things and the, to experience yeah. it. Um, but it is very much, you, you know, like you're basically you're sitting in a fucking room of like 500 people that all. You know, your fucking husband died, so there's all those fucking soccer moms in their fucking sweaters. Like, oh, my God, I just want to talk to Jerry. So you kind of get, you mean, you get the same type of people in the crowd. So it's very easy that, like, when she's doing a reading, if she's if she's fake, it's easy to fake it because, fuck, half of us there, you know, had to watch somebody die and, you know, take their last breath, had to sign, sign the, you know, pull the plug life support thing. And so you can very much just, you know, you could fake it, sure. Um, there were several people there that, um, you know, she was uh, talking about the whole life support thing. And, you know, there was a girl that said that she was upset because she couldn't be there when her dad took her last breath. And, you know, Teresa focused on her for a little bit and she said, you know, I keep getting, I, I keep seeing like a soldier, like a salute. And, um, I just see the phrase hero, hero, hero. What what does that mean? And um, the girl just started, you know, losing her shit. And she's like, you know, that's my 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 dad called my brother hero. And so when when he died this year uh, for my brother's birthday, we baked him a birthday cake. And we had a photo over there of him and dad playing video games. And it says, you're still my hero. Um, So, you know, for Teresa to not 
unless she planted that person in the audience for somebody that she doesn't know and to say, hey, I, I, I keep seeing hero, hero, hero. You know, Teresa said she didn't know what it meant, but the fact that she was picking it up to validate that some of the other stuff that she's saying, like she is getting from her father. So, you know, it was pretty cool to see that. So, well, I want to experience it myself because to me, the problem I have with stuff like Teresa Caputo and all these other people, they speak in such generalizations. Right. Like you said, like, oh, I'm sensing something about pulling a plug. Yeah, probably everybody in there's lost somebody. Yeah. Oh, I'm picturing, you know, a grandmotherly figure. Yep, everyone's got grandmas. <laughs> that's the that's the problem I got. And I think I want to believe I should be there because I'm sure the energy level is on a completely different scale being there witnessing it. You know, everybody's verklempt. And it's, the energy of all those sad soccer moms comes together and, you know, yeah, you feel the, the it's, sorrow. And... It's very, if, uh, I always, I always like to think of myself as a very empathetic, you know, person, like as far as uh, being able to read emotions and pick up on emotions and, um, you know, being in that room with all those fucking sad bags. Uh, I was just like, dude, I can't, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Like I can't handle yeah. this. Um, but I told Jeffrey, like, she was like, what do you think your dad's going to come through? And I'm like, yeah, probably not. But here's the thing, honey. If for any reason she says anything that was, you know, remotely relevant to me and I raise my hand, if that bitch doesn't say that there's like some guy, I think he might be a pirate because he's complaining about his treasures being thrown away. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to buy it because that's how I know it's really dad because he's pissed because we're cleaning up the property and he always said, those are my goddamn <laughs> treasures. And unfortunately, I'm having to pitch some of those treasures. So, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, like a, a big, big John, big James Wanker, big, big Johnny <laughs> right, Wank. Right. Yeah, I'm like, she doesn't say any I... of that. It's it's not it's not legit. I'm out. So. Right. So I'm smelling cigar smoke in my gardenia garden, and there's some guy standing there with like a big wiener. Yeah. A big wiener. Anybody know a John Wiener? <laughs> That'd be rad. Yeah. That'd be real rad. I'd be like, I don't know. Does he look like a pirate? Because uh, then if he's complaining about treasure, that's that's the old man. What, what does he want? <laughs> Is he going around grumbling that he's blown up Bigfoot? Could you just give us a sign? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I hope it's real. I want it to be real. I want to go to one of those that's not as expensive because I don't want to give that lady my money. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I I think it'd be interesting. I'm not going to rule it out. I want her as much as I hate her giant helmet of hair. Yeah. I want her to be real. And like, you know, and then, uh, and I think like, you know, one lady there was like, I don't know. I just felt like when she was like saying something like, you know, I, something about a three-year-old, a four-year-old, I keep seeing the, the number three, number four, mm -hmm. I'm sensing like a baby. And like, she finally came upstairs and this one fucking lady was just like, well, I run a daycare. And she was like, Teresa's like, okay, well, I'm sensing this. And she's like, yeah, totally. That's me. And then, so Teresa's <laughs> just like sitting there. Okay. Well, I'm sensing this. And then like halfway through, she's like, I don't know. Are we fucking done here or what? Okay. Well, wow. If you wanted a message that bad, like maybe don't raise right. your fucking hand to the shit that's irrelevant because, you know, let's say that Teresa Caputo is 100% authentic. There's like 
hundreds of fucking people in here. There's probably like a hundred dead people like, hey, Akabaka, Akabaka, Akabaka. So whichever ones that she's, you know, channeling at that moment, like if it's not relevant to you, fuck off. Wait your turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dog's snoring in the background. <laughs> um, yeah, I. that's the problem there, man. Somebody's going to want to fucking be a hot pocket and just be like, that's totally me. Oh, my God. And then when it's not fun anymore, well, you realize you're too far over your head, then you become a fucking sappy pappy. Yeah. Nobody likes a fucking party pooper. Or there was a lady that everything was like spot on, and then it comes to find out it's like her best friend's dead brother, but she hasn't spoken mm-hmm. to this lady in like 40 years. And then like she's like, mm-hmm. well, the brother says you need to pick up and call her. I talk to her a lot. Um, he says uh, you haven't talked to her in like, I don't know, like I'm getting the impression like three or four years. Well, I mean, we talk sometimes. Yeah, it's been a minute. Like, whoa, calm down. The spirits are trying to reconnect your friendship. Like, sorry, it wasn't your dead grandma <laughs> that you got to speak to. But apparently Jerry <laughs> thinks you need to go kiss and make up. So call Samantha. OK, that's all I'm saying. Oh, uh, hell. Does she have any cool posters for her tour? No, she didn't. But you know what, though? She's a little bit of a comedian. She's actually pretty fucking funny. So if Is any, she? If anything, um, you're going to get a little bit of a comedy show while you're there. That's all right, man. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've seen plenty of my share of her episodes, man. Like, Shayla and I have watched the show before. <sighs> I just can't imagine how big that hair is now. It's pretty fucking big. And she came out in this, like, fucking sequence dress that was all gold and glittery. And uh, um, she was, she, you know what? I'll, I'll give her props. Like, uh, you know, some people, because, um, you know, we, we had to stay up, uh, we had to stand up and say the national anthem and, you know, do all that. Um, so somebody who's patriotic like that, I mean, she was pretty much like, listen, for me to be able to come out here, I have to wear this fucking mask this whole entire performance. So you better make sure you wear your goddamn mask while you're in the audience. And I was like, wow, color me oh, impressed. Shit, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's awesome, dude. I'm glad you went. I was I was actually very excited when you're like, yeah, I'm taking Jeffrey to see Lisa Caputo. And I'm like, that's pretty fucking neat. Yeah. Like, I want to talk a lot of shit, but I definitely want to hear about it. I mean, I would go again. I had fun. I, I'd like yeah, okay. if, uh, you know, she ever, you know, well, obviously we don't live in the, you know, the Jersey Shore area. Um, yeah. But I'd like, uh, you know, she does like reading parties where you can get people of 10 in there. Um, uh-huh. And I, I, you know, I'd like to be able, somebody her level, not necessarily her, but her level um, mm-hmm. I, I'd always like to do maybe like a group reading of 10 or 15 people and just, you know, see what happens. Like, you know, yeah. Fill the room a little bit, see what we get, see if we get more hits or we get more misses or fuck. I just wasted several hundred dollars on this group party. And, uh, <laughs> right. The only problem I have with like small parties like that and even big, you know, big performances like she did. It's not that hard to get a guest list of who's paid. Who's reserved? Yeah. Go to their Facebook and dig around for, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, that's, it's not hard to fake that shit. That's, that's where I stand as far as believing it or thinking it's horse shit is it's not, I mean, I could do that. That's not hard. Oh, there was a, there was one group, uh, there was one family that was there that all had like, you know, in loving memory of Jerry. And it was like, kind of like one of the last, you know, 15 minutes of the show. And she turns around, she sees it and she's like, I, 
I, do you not watch my television show? I don't know how many times I tell people, like, why did you guys come to the show with the T-shirts of In Memory of Jerry? She's like, I can't give you a reading now. I see shit over in your area, but nobody's going to find it legitimate um, because it says Jerry on your shirt. So obviously you've lost a Jerry. And I'm just like, wow, she made a valid point. Like, I don't know. Maybe don't wear the fucking immemorial shirts because. So what we do, Presto, is we go again and we wear shirts that say in memory of Jerry and have some fake, you know, picture on it and be like, ha ha, we know no Jerry. Yeah. It's some fun, some fucking random bum off the street that died. I just wore it tonight because I thought it looked cool. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) <laughs> well, if she comes around again, man, holler at me. Maybe I'll go with you. That could Hell be yeah. fun. Well, the remainder of this show is going to be about some random news stories I found. But have no fear because I think they're plenty interesting and very entertaining in some aspects. And in a way, all four stories roughly relate to each other. And as you can tell by the name of the episode, Oh Fudge, Preston Goes to a Psychic. That's what I'm calling it. (laughs) Some of these stories have to do with fudge. So bear with me. Hang in there. And let's get going. Or Teresa Caputo. I mean, I don't don't see any links. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going into this blind. Right. Right. Hey, that's cool, man. I'm glad you can't see this coming. It's good stuff. Yeah. And again, maybe not all episodes. I mean, maybe not all stories deal with fudge, but, you know, just hang in there. So first of all, presto from NPR. We regret to inform you that your nightmares are about to get worse. Recently, a team led by Egyptian scientists have dug up a 43-million-year-old fossil in the Sahara Desert in Egypt of a now-extinct amphibious four-legged whale. That's right, y'all. It's a fucking whale with four legs. The authors of the study go on to say this creature had quote-unquote unique features of the skull and its mandible suggested the capacity for more efficient oral mechanical processing, i.e. it's a savage predator. In other words, these walking whales had a strong raptorial feeding style. We discovered how fierce and deadly its powerful jaws are capable of tearing a wide range of prey. This whale was a god of death and most of the animals that lived in its area. The new whale is called Phyomycetus anubis. The Phyomycetus anubis, which scientists named in part after Anubis, the canine-headed Egyptian god associated with mummification in the afterlife, was a top predator of its time, similar to what a killer whale would be like today. So imagine a killer whale with four fucking legs. So it's like a whale gator. It's like whale gator. Crocodingo whale. Yeah. Whales, as it turns out, used to be herbivorous, deer-like terrestrial mammals. You say deer-like? Deer-like. Huh. So uh, they basically had, like, the diet of deer. Like, they were just little foragers eating berries and twigs and shit. Gotcha. But over the span of about 10 million years, whales turned into carnivorous creatures in the ocean. The discovery of the four-legged creature is part of the evolution of the whale. Now, if the idea of a four-legged killer land whale has you thinking, ah, crap, then you might be thinking the same thing as this next lady, Preston. Yeah. 
from HuffPo, a woman named Shirley Wright Johnson recently had a crappy shopping experience on Wednesday. Mrs. Wright Johnson said she was picking up some items at the grocery store in Moore, Oklahoma, with her two daughters, when she reached in to grab a bag of frozen pizza rolls and quickly discovered something else warm and squishy in her hand. A coon gator. She said, <laughs> Old bad coon gator. I picked up a bag of pizza rolls, and there's literally shit. Oh. Excuse my language, but human shit. Someone took a shit inside a supermarket freezer in onto a bag of Totino's pizza rolls and then covered the mess with another package of these frozen delectable treats, said police on the TV. Wow. I grabbed the bag and felt something smushy on the bag, so I turned it over, and there it was. I was so upset, I was disgusted, and I feel violated. All the way home, my kids were still screaming, Mommy, Mommy, I can smell it, I can smell it. And I'm like, I smell it too, baby. <laughs> she told Oklahoma City CBS affiliate KWTV-TV, It's just disgusting. That's the only word I can use, disgusting and horrible. Now, Oklahoma Moore Police, using surveillance video from the scene of the crime, flushed out the man they identified as the person of interest. He was booked into Cleveland County Detention Center on unrelated charges while the poop probe continues. A spokesperson from the police said that the man's name will be released if formal charges are filed. The man was also reported taking pictures of women in the grocery store. What a dirty little bastard. Yeah, wow. Now, speaking of fudge, Preston, on to CNN, where a turned-over gravestone was recently found inside a Michigan woman's home, and it's been discovered that she used the marble slab for a mixing surface for the famous fudge she made. How the gravestone got inside the Okemos, Michigan house in Lansing is a true mystery, according to the Friends of Lansing Historic Cemeteries, a.k.a. the F-O-L-H-C. President Loretta S. Stanaway said the monument was discovered in August at an estate sale auction site after the matriarch of the family was placed in the care of a facility for Alzheimer's. A former citizen of Lansing recognized that it was probably from a city cemetery and got back in touch with the, the F-O-L-H-C, and they started investigating. So basically, this old lady was a famous fudge maker and was using the backside of a headstone as a marble slab to mix her fudge. Now, her family hired an auctioneer to take care of all the items in her estate. And he was going through the things, and he saw a slab of marble in the kitchen. So he went to examine it, turned it over, and discovered it's a fucking gravestone. Wow. The family told him they used to make fudge there, and Grandma used to use that to smash and mush and form the fudge. The family couldn't say how or when the gravestone got there. It's just what they always used. Stanaway said the family told her the gravestone was used as a hard surface, making seasonal fudge, since it was made out of hard marble. We looked into trying to find any relatives to see what we could figure out about the story from a relative standpoint or somebody who'd give us permission to put the monument back where it belongs, 
but we weren't able to find any survivors. So Peter J. Weller died, that's the guy whose headstone is being used to make delicious fudge, in 1849 in Lansing, Michigan, and was buried in Oak Park Cemetery. And then in 1875, the grave was moved to Mount Hope Cemetery. But apparently the monument somehow got lost and never made it to the new burial plot. His headstone had been missing for over 146 years before it's finally been returned. The auctioneer donated the monument to the FOLHC, and they got to work restoring his plot. They also discovered that Weller had two daughters and a granddaughter-in-law in the same cemetery. His daughter-in-law's stone had been restored back in 2014, so they decided to restore his daughters as well. The FOLHC hired a preservationist, and he returned the monuments to their formal glory. Weller now resides next to his daughters, 172 years after his death. Oh, there's a, I mean, there is a happy ending to that. Yeah, and also a creeping suspicion anytime I go into a Cold Stone Creamery. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I could follow up. I have a weird, it, it came across my Facebook the other day that there was a guy uh -oh. on the TikTok that was, uh, you know, he's like, trying to get back in shape so he's like walking in cemeteries or whatever yeah and um you know they always say you have to be careful like how close you plant trees and shit um to uh you know like uh headstones and like where everything's like buried at mm -hmm. and uh i guess the cemetery is like dude fuck rules we don't need rules we're gonna do what we want and yeah. uh, so uh this you know trees basically been uh growing there for like a hundred years or whatever and then um uh he noticed that it looked like hair was coming up underneath like the where the the mausoleum part because it, it was a had the headstone and then like they capped so you had the, like the long ceramic piece going over the uh you know, you know where the casket was so the roots oh, yeah, had yeah, yeah. actually pushed the casket up broke it and it allowed for animals to be able to get underneath. And they, as they were burrowing Ooh. in and out, they basically dragged the skull up. And so this woman's <laughs> hair, or maybe man's hair, because, you know, it keeps growing. Anyway, so he was like, got viral on TikTok because he's like, oh, my God, it's hair. And uh, so, yeah, this like fucking person's hair was coming out of the headstone because um, the cemetery fucked up. Whoa. Now, I was really admittedly hoping you were going to tell me, like, the tree continued to grow and grew through the skull and, like, pushed it up. So now there's this giant, like, skeleton tree. Yeah, that would have been pretty fucking rad, yeah. <laughs> but hey, that's cool, too. What is it you think about cemeteries that just make them so damn cool to hang out and investigate? I don't, I don't know. It's the, it's the, you know, the idea that there could be zombies, ghosts, goblins, <laughs> vampires, um, yeah. you know. Um, I've got a listener of the show who's a really good friend of mine, and he actually witnessed some really strange things while he was on the police force at the cemetery that Tony and I and Shayla saw that fucking gremlin thing run behind the trash barrel. Oh, yeah? So I need to get him on the show, but he actually suggested we do like a live or, you know, um, live recording at the actual cemetery in El Dorado. 
So we got to align our schedules and go out there and meet him and get his side of his story. And I think that'd be a lot of fun to do it on location. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hell, yeah. Well, Presto, how about one more tale of chocolatey delight? Okay. I know the episode's a little short this time. It's because I'm still on Vegas time, baby. But I got one more story for you. Budget on me. From Ripley's, <laughs> from Ripley's Believe It or Not. Presto, have you ever heard of the confectionery delight known as the Hematogen Bar? No. I should probably pronounce it Hematogen. That might give you a better idea what's inside of it. Gross. I'm not going to eat it. Well, dear listeners, it appears that multiple generations of Russian children have fond memories of noshing a delicious chocolate treat known as the Hematogen Bar. Advertisements promoted promoted these treats as wholesome and healthy and able to help with anemia, the condition that commonly is found in about 25% of the population, especially small kids. Made with condensed milk, syrup, and beet sugar, the bar has a taste reminiscent of a Tootsie Roll. Clearly, this represented a win for Russian kids who got to gobble up these goodies in the name of robust health. But however, the delicious chocolate bar also contains a dark little secret. Darker than the dark chocolate. One secret linked to a slightly metallic flavor in the candy bar. Black food albumin. That's a fancy way of saying blood. Just how much blood did these over-the-counter supplements contain? A minimum of 5% cow's blood. Here's the strange tale of the blood-based snack that Russian children grew up devouring. And now if your skin's crawling at this point, it's understandable. But the hematogen bar proved anything but a horror to the Russian folks that gobbled them up. Readily accessible at pharmacies throughout the USSR, the food had even survived the collapse of the Soviet Union. <laughs> Hell, you can even still purchase hematogen bars in Russia today. And if you're really jonesing to try one out and don't want to fly halfway around the world, just inquire at the Russian market in the United States. You may be lucky enough to find a blood bar there. Now, of course, we can't place all the responsibility for bloody food products in the former Soviet Union. Not only is it unfair, but it neglects a whole host of other products containing hemoglobin that were popular across Europe. These treats included such favorites as <laughs> hematopan, a licorice-sweetened blood powder, and who couldn't get behind hemosan, a delectable drink made with lectin, calcium, glycosophosphate, <laughs> and you guessed it, more blood protein. But as it turns out, people worldwide have had a long and storied history consuming blood in their cuisine. Consider blood sausage and even blood pudding. While the practice of eating every part of the given animal, including the red stuff, well, it's presented a part of a traditional notion of tail-to-nose consumption. In other words, don't waste any part of the animal you kill. You need to honor its sacrifice in every bite you take. But even more so, blood has a serious nutritional value and could mean the difference between life and death for some sustenance farmers, and those living from slaughtered cow to slaughtered cow. After all, dietary choices, such as veganism and vegetarianism, are closely tied to one's economic status 
and disposable income. The same goes for those who wish to pick and choose. Thank you, Luna. For those who choose to pick and choose which parts of an animal they eat. So it made a lot of sense to leave nothing behind, even the blood of the animal. Now, why do European food manufacturers spend so much time concocting hemoglobin into various food products instead of just sticking it, sticking to good old-fashioned blood pudding? Well, they had to find a way to make blood, which spoils very rapidly, into a shelf-sustainable item that people might find remotely palatable. So that being said and done, nobody achieved this better than the Russians. Despite the metallic aftertaste, anybody raised in Russia will tell you, hematogen bars taste bloody delicious. So there you have it. Three fantastic stories about fudge in one way or another. Presto, have you ever had blood sausage or blood pudding? No, sir. And I don't plan to. <laughs> it's definitely interesting. Shayla and I had blood sausage in Florida once. And I didn't hate it, but I didn't find myself wanting more either. It's kind of like, right. a, mm, that's good. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, Fair enough. you know how, like, when you cut your finger or, you know, you do something and, like, the side of your fingernail gets ripped off and it starts to bleed and you automatically are like, oh, my God. And you put it, like, you know, like, and you put it in your mouth or whatever. Like. Yeah. It, I can't stand the taste of blood. Like there's, there's. Oh really? Yeah, there's nothing appealing to that. Like I, I'm not. I'm not one of those that's like, oh, I'm bleeding. Let me, let me suck the wound or whatever. I'm just like, oh my god, I'm bleeding. <laughs> let me go wrap it up with like duct tape or something and pour a bunch yeah. of rubbing alcohol on it. And uh, so God, I don't even like this. I don't even like the smell of blood. Let alone, I just no. Yeah, fair. So that's fair, man. Um, talking about duct taping a wound, my uncle Eric years ago was working on a job site where he was loading sheet metal, big old sheets of sheet metal into the back of a truck. He'd lift it up with both arms, you know, spread out like wings, pick it up, mount it on his belly. He'd drop it on the back of the truck and then walk forward and kind of push it in with his stomach. Well, after doing, you know, several sheets of the sheet metal, loading it into a truck, he picked up a piece like he was normally doing, walked up, went to shove it in. It caught on the barb of another piece of sheet metal and it ran all the way across the inside crease of his elbow, cut that giant artery, and so quickly doing what any you know self-respecting carpenter or hardworking man or woman does, he wrapped his arm up with a <laughs> duct tape tourniquet yeah. and drove until he could finally flag somebody down. Uh, that person pulled over and then drove him into town to a hospital. I want to say this happened like 20 miles away from a hospital. And when he got there, the doctor's like, yeah, you really ran into that guy just in time because had you driven yourself, you would have finished bleeding out probably about five miles outside of town. Oh. So now anytime someone works with sheet metal, I get the fucking goosebumps and think about how my uncle could have easily died. So uh, my um, uncle, um, they live out in the country too. <clears throat> And mm -hmm. we spent a, a lot of my childhood, there have been like weekend nights or like just, you know, maybe like Thursday night, Frank would call and be like, you know, my goddamn well went out again. I need, need your help pulling it. So dad just like, all right, come on, let's go. And, you know, throw me in the back of the truck. So we were helping uncle Frank pull the well. And, you know, it was like a 200 <laughs> foot, you know, well, so you're, hooking it up to a tractor and then, you, you know, you got to have somebody 
or a couple people guiding the line as you're pulling it out. <clears throat> and yeah. um, dad had me just slightly in front of him. So if anything happened, he could get me out of the way real quick. And like 50 feet to go and the well or the, the actual like motor part, the pump of the well broke off and the line had snapped. And so dad pushed me out of the way. And because Damn. I was in front of him, um, he had his one hand on the line long enough that the, 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 the wiring, the electrical wiring that runs up it, it's got like a, this little metal tab that kind of holds it in place. It sliced the top of his thumb all the way down to his wrist, um, just sliced it open, um, flayed it. And so oh, uh, wow. Dad just sit there kind of looking at his fucking hand, went over to Frank's garage, got some duct tape, just fucking duct taped his whole hand. It's like, all right, uh, I guess uh, we're going to the hospital. I got to have stitches. Don't tell your fucking mom. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Right. Instead of Ed, instead of Edward forty hands, he just duct taped his hands shut so he wouldn't bleed out, huh? Yep. <laughs> wow, we that's insane, man. I remember once uh, my brother and I were out playing when we were little, and we found this really cool plastic toy knife, like a pirate knife or pirate sword. And somehow I got the idea that was not so bright because my brother used to do models and put together models. So we had like razor blades and stuff, you know, to cut the model pieces out. I got the bright idea to take a razor blade out of his room while he was asleep. And I thought, one knife is pretty cool. If I take the razor blade and slice this thing all the way up the edge, you know, all the way around, I could have two knives. And I just about finished it. And I was dragging the razor blade from the top of the knife down towards my thumb. And I hit a specifically thick part of plastic and I pulled on it real hard and the knife slipped out or the razor blade slipped out rather and went all the way down my middle finger from the tip through the fingernail down the first knuckle. And I screamed, dropped everything, bled all the way upstairs into the bathroom where I thought, this is okay. I can fix this and mom and dad never have to know. And my folks would normally sleep in on Saturday mornings. And so they heard me crying and whimpering because I was in like seven, like seven or eight. Mom came in there. She's like, what's the matter? And saw it. And I had, yeah, split my thumb all the way down the backside. It was so fucking gross. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. There we go. It went from fudge to bloody fudge bars to <laughs> bloody war stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, Presto, I had a good time this episode. Did you have a good time? Yeah. Yeah, well, well, let's get the hell out of here, because <laughs> I still need to edit the show. And also, hey guys, sorry, I think I should offer an apology. I think something happened in our feed, and last week's episode, 208, I don't think got downloaded to the actual podcast feeds. I know I we uploaded it, it's just somehow not there, so I guess this week you're going to get a double dose, because uh, 208 should be dropping in as well. So, it drops so, today. Sorry about that. Did it drop today? Yeah, it dropped today. Like, I was uh, driving to Lodge tonight, and all of a sudden, like, the notification popped up, and it's like, Pixelated Paranormal 208, and I'm like, what the fuck? That was supposed to be last week's episode. Yeah. Uh, well, um, yeah, I send, them, I send the episodes off to, you know, Mark, who hosts everything for us, and he'll upload the episode, and for whatever reason, sometimes you have to ref uh, refresh the feed, so to speak. So it actually updates the episode and drops it in. So that's why I just discovered some of our episodes are dropping a little later than normal. 
that's the problem. We upload it, and then iTunes and the rest of the podcast apps on your RSS feed apparently just kind of decide when they're going to drop. So I am very sorry, guys. We didn't realize these were dropping so late um, instead of being on Wednesdays like we thought. But then what's funny is like iTunes will backdate it. So it says here it updated Wednesday of last week. But anyway, maybe you're listening to this episode hot off the tales of Civil War Cryptid Battle, Crocodingo vs. Old Green Eyes. But uh, anyhoozle. Check us out on the old Facebook, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at PXL Paranormal. That's where you're going to find any of the episode guides, any random posts we make, and so on and so forth. Uh, news about the t-shirts will be dropping there. For reasons I can't really get into, um, they were postponed because of some health stuff going on. So we will get those out very, very quick. I swear to God, it's been like a year, and we promise it every episode. But yeah, almost had those bad boys finalized, and some stuff went down uh, health-related. So um, we should be able to get that back going now that everything's been uh, taken care of. So with that, Preston, what do you got, buddy? And as always, look, listeners, you might be thinking to yourself, I just want somebody to look at me and say, oh, my God, look at that hot blood sausage walking around. And you might <laughs> think to yourself, I don't, how do I get to that level? How do I get to that status? Well, I'm here to tell you the easiest way to up your blood sausage game to be like the next Brad Pitt is to go over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Because if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow the best goddamn beard that's just going to razzle-dazzle the shit out of everybody, then you're going to need a little bit of Dobbs in it. So go over to Dobbs, use the promo code, pick yourself up some scents like Dundee Cedar Bay Rum, Fresh, Citrus, Sweet Tobacco, Mint, and Classic. And when you have it in your face, you're going to fucking rock, baby. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by and see our dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang over at CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. All right, y'all. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode. We hope you're doing well. And on behalf of Steve, I'd love to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.